Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, feline friends. This is Michelle Fern, your host on Catitude. You know, the average feline pet parent has two cats and having a multi-cat household can be a challenge. My guest today is going to give us some great advice to help out with that. We'll be right back. Looking for a dental treat that does more for your dog? Daily Dose is a two-in-one chew that pairs a daily dental scrub with powerful supplements to help with the biggest health concerns facing our dogs. Daily Dose was developed by vets to be simple to use and super effective. Plus, dogs love the taste. Available for joint, skin, heart health, or calming. Daily Dose, your pet's daily dose of awesome. Visit yourpetsdailydose.com to save $3 on your first bag with promo code PETLIFE. That's yourpetsdailydose.com. Maxwell, he was scratching and losing some hair. My vet, she says, oh, he must be allergic to chicken. Another vet said, he's the drain. Third vet said, it's the weather. Then somebody said, D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. It took two weeks and the dog stopped itching. The hair stopped falling out. The Dynavite is a big part of Maxwell's diet. You get some Dynavite, how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to introduce Pam Johnson-Bennett. She is a cat behavior expert and has just written a great book called Cat vs. Cat. Welcome, Pam. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you because I've done a lot of Catitude shows and there's so many different topics, but it dawned on me, we haven't talked a lot about multi-cat households and I wonder why, because the average person has two cats. That's more common than one. Right. At least, at least. And everything kind of changes when you add another cat. You know, if you only have one cat, then... That litter box is fine. That food bowl is fine. That bed, you know, the cat doesn't have to share anything. But you add just one more cat and everything shifts. And it can be quite a challenge. It can be wonderful, you know, having another cat, a cat companion. But it has its own set of challenges, too. I could not agree more because I started with one cat. And then numbers two and three were actually the hardest because the first cat, he's part dog. He doesn't, Dennis doesn't even care about anything. But then it became a challenge with two and three. What is the best way to, besides I think having maybe two cats exactly start at this? Is it easier if you have two cats initially rather than bring one on a little bit later? Yes. And you know what? If you are looking to adopt your first cat and you think, well, I don't know anything about cats. Let me just start with one. Please take my advice. I've been doing this for so many decades. 
it's not difficult to adopt two at a time. You know, you're, if you're dealing with kittens, maybe your initial expense, you know, is a little bit more because you're dealing with vaccinations and deworming and maybe spay and neuter. But after that, it's not that much more expensive to have two. And you, I promise when you have one cat, at some point you go, oh, wow, I wish I had two. So just do it. Just start with two. But if you haven't, it's still not difficult to add a second cat or a third cat. The problem is people do it wrong. And there's two things people do. One is they either kind of toss them together and expect them to work it out, or they think they're dogs, you know, and that, okay, well, the more the merrier, you know, they'll share and they don't take into consideration cats are territorial and they need to have security in their resources. So they think, well, two cats, they'll share one food bowl, they'll, they'll share uh, one litter box, and that isn't the case. You know, when I asked you the question initially, I thought, okay, I think it's better to start off two cats together, but maybe I'm wrong here because I'm not the expert you are. But as you're talking and what I know from gut instinct, from having done so many catitude shows, it makes a lot of sense to just start two off because as you said, they are territorial and that I did know. And so much more so than dogs. Why is that? Well, cats, they are social. We make the mistake of thinking they're solitary and they're not. They're solitary hunters because they hunt small prey, but they're social animals, but their social structure is built around resource availability. So when you see colonies of cats, they're there together. They've kind of created a cooperative relationship with everyone because there's enough resources for everybody. And so initially when you have one cat and you bring in a second cat, the reason there's, there's so much tension is the resident cat is thinking, oh my gosh, all my resources, what's going to happen to my litter box, my bed, uh, my cat parent, my food, you know, my favorite toys. And the new cat is thinking, wow, I just landed in unfamiliar territory. You basically dropped me across enemy lines. I don't have anything that I own. Nothing's mine and nothing is safe. So that's what you're dealing with. And if you do an introduction that allows both cats to feel as if they can get a breather and the introduction needs to be very gradual, give them a reason to like each other, help them realize that there's no threat to resources. But that's, that's a lot of what the, the territorial issue is, is it's protecting those resources. I've heard so much about, you know, the territorial as where it, it's affected most is the litter box. Well, the, we view the litter box as the equivalent of our bathroom. It's just a place you go to go to the bathroom and you don't really pay much attention to it. For a cat, it's, it is also a security issue. You know, when a cat uses the litter box, or let me, let me back up and say when a cat eliminates, all right, if it's so we could be dealing with an outdoor cat. When a cat eliminates, it's not necessarily a safe time for them. They have to make sure they're safe because cats are not only predators, they're prey. So eliminating can be a time of concern. They have to make sure they're safe. Also, it's very tied into scent. A cat may not want to use a litter box that another cat is used, especially if they don't have a good relationship. So you may get into a household situation where one cat is guarding the litter box and doesn't want anyone else to use it. So 
the rule of thumb, if you if you have a multi-cat household, the place to start with keeping peace is making sure there's more than enough resources for everyone. So if you have four cats, you should have at least five litter boxes. And those litter boxes should be scattered around, not located all in one room because that's basically just one litter box, but scattered around in each cat's core area. So if you have a cat who really feels more secure in your bedroom, don't ask that cat to have to cross another cat's area just to eliminate. So you want to create security. And that's how, along with helping cats kind of find a reason to like each other, that's how you maintain harmony. That's not to plug the book, but, you know, I am here to plug the book, but that's why I wrote Cat versus Cat. And it's really an older book that I've just redone. It's revised. It's expanded. It's got so much more information. So for everyone who's listening who thinks, I already have that book. You don't have the same book. It's really bigger and better. But the reason I wrote that was because people were maintaining that single cat mentality as they were adding to their cat household and not understanding why cats aren't getting along, you know, and it's about changing resources and dealing with security and those subtle things that we don't think of. We don't place importance on a litter box. Cats place a huge amount of importance on a litter box. We don't place a lot of importance on the food bowl. The food bowl typically goes in the kitchen on the floor. And if you have several cats, we either ask them to eat out of the same bowl or we put several bowls together. And we don't realize that cats aren't social eaters. So they may be eating next to each other because that's the only place where the food is, but they might be very stressed. And then maybe they take it out on each other later. So those are the little subtle things that we don't pay attention to, but they can make a huge difference in how your cats get along. You know, just to take something and kind of bring it home for when for a second, when you're talking about food bowls, I have all of my cats have what we call a, it's a cat tree tray and, and, and it's a device that holds a bowl up off the floor and mm-hmm. it's built into, you can kind of, it's easy to insert in, um, on a cat tree. And each, the three cats, they all have one and they're all separate. But one cat, Charlotte, she decided that she wants to eat. Let me see if I can describe it. It's a high top dining room table and there's a little spot underneath the table that's a little square. I guess you could store linens and stuff in there. But there's, you know, it's a it's like a large rectangle that she could sit upon. And so I have to feed her under the table. It's not on the floor, it's raised. And that's where she feels more secure. But that's what she decided. But the funny thing is, every so often, she'll come and want to be in her place. Now, they all have separate bowls, you know, but most of the time she wants to be there under the table. And it may have something to do with what interaction was going on during that day. And she may feel more secure there. If we just listen to what the cats are telling us, they'll let us know where they're more secure. You know, if your cat is eliminating in another area, you know, not in the litter box and and medical issues have been ruled out, maybe the cat is telling you, I feel more secure there, you know? So pay attention to, for example, we're talking about the food bowl. When you feed your cats, is there one cat who's constantly looking kind of nervous and is eating a little bit and then looking at the other cats? Or maybe that cat won't eat till the other cats have left the kitchen. Or maybe he eats and then darts away. Those are things that are telling you, okay, the feeding station is not secure. 
So some cats may feel more secure eating on a cat tree, eating on the windowsill, eating on the counter, a table, uh, in a little enclosed area. Sometimes cats who get along in all other circumstances, maybe they need to have separate feeding stations. So just pay attention to those little things, where cats eat, where they play, where they sleep, where they eliminate, you know, their interaction with you. All of those things come into play when, it, when we're talking about a harmonious multi-cat relationship. We're going to take a short break and be right back and talk more about your new book or your revised book, Cat vs. Cat. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here. I have to tell you about Pet Treater. Pet Treater is a gift box for your fur babes that gives you the chance to surprise them with interactive toys, all-natural treats, and a whole bunch more. You know, I just got one for Dennis's birthday, but I made sure to get the larger size because I knew Molly and Charlotte would want in on the action too. Let me tell you, it arrived the day before I planned to give it to him. Dennis actually slept next to it the entire time. In the morning when I went to open it, I noticed all these claw marks on the box. They were trying to break into the goods. What a party once I opened the box for them. They had a blast. You know, whether you have a really cute kitty or an adorable doggy or maybe some of each roaming your house, you can tailor the box to fit their needs, including any allergies they have or their size. You know, we all need an excuse to spend more quality time with our fur kids. With a subscription starting as low as $15, you and your furry family members will get to unbox some new surprises together, meaning you'll be spending less money, less time shopping, and more time hanging out. And if you're as obsessed with sharing photos of your pets as I am, you can connect with other animal lovers on the Pet Treater site. Okay, now Pet Treater is giving us this great offer. Go to PetTreater.com and use the coupon code CATITUDE, that's C-A-T-T-I-T-U-D-E, and you'll get 50% off the first month of your subscription. That's PetTreater.com, P-E-T. T-R-E-A-T-E-R dot com and get ready for some great party times with your fur babes. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio dot com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Pam Johnson-Bennett. She is the author of Cat vs. Cat. She is a cat behavior expert, and we're focusing on multi-cat households and how to best deal with the you know little uh, things that come up when you have a multi-cat household. So you gave some great advice in the first part of the show. I had this experience, and I thought I was going to lose my mind. I'll tell about my experience after, but this was such a challenge. What is the best way to introduce a cat when there are, there's two cats in the household and you're introducing a kitten into the household? All right. First of all, you have to remember that kittens have a lot of energy. They don't really have that strong sense of territory yet. So basically a kitten will go up to any cat and go, be my friend, you know, so You want to do, you want to have the kitten in a separate room and play with that kitten a lot, kind of get that energy level down a little bit so that he, you know, he or she is not just racing up to the other cats and have 
something for distraction. Do it very slowly. You know, have treats for the kitten or food, and you just let them see each other for short periods of time. It might even start with the door closed and the resident cats are hearing the kitten. And then maybe uh, after that's been going well and they're eating on each side of the door, maybe the closed door, then you open the door a little bit, let them see the kitten while somebody is playing with them. It's great if there's more than one person in the house because one person can be playing with the kitten and the other cats can see that. Maybe the other cats are getting treats. So what you're doing is you're doing a very gradual introduction and you're keeping the kitten distracted so that the resident cats are seeing, okay, this isn't a threat. Um, but you want to keep everything very positive and short. And this applies whether it's a kitten or an adult cat. You want to have every session that you do end positively. So if it's only a one minute or two minute session, it's better to end it on a positive note than to have the kitten charge out of the room and interact with the cats and then have the cats hiss. And sometimes the way to do it is to just start with one cat, pick the cat of your two cats, who is the most receptive, who seems to be kind of like would be a good ambassador. And then you do the introduction gradually with the kitten and the cat and that one cat. And then you can introduce the second cat because the first cat will already be giving off kind of very relaxed body language signs. Another thing I do is I use scent. So I'll take whether, and this applies whether it's a kitten or a cat, I'll take a sock and I'll rub the kitten around the mouth to collect some of those facial pheromones. And then I'll put the sock in the other cat's territory for them to sniff and kind of check out. And I'll offer treats if they're sniffing the sock or if they just walk by it, anything that I want to see again. I will give a treat, I'll praise, I'll do a little extra playtime so that the, the cats see, oh, this scent of this new cat or kitten brings me something good. So I use a lot of treats. That is exactly what I ended up doing. I had, I have two cats, they're sisters from different litters. And the first one is Charlotte. And she is, I think she's very sensitive and has just sensitive. I, I, I'm going to put a positive spin on it. And then her sister's Molly. And when I first, we first were introducing them, it was impossible. And she, you know, Molly was, is kitten and it took a while before her to, you know, get to the same size as Charlotte or close to it. And it was so challenging. And what I heard was after, you know, researching and this and that is what just what you said, put the scent of one cat, either I think I took a wet washcloth and rubbed it on the body by the face, and then put the scents on each other. Doing scent is great. That's what I use. I use a sock or a small hand towel and I get the scent. But the difference is I don't put one scent from one cat on another. You put it in their territory, but you that gives them the choice of how how close they want to interact with that scent and if they want to interact positively or in a neutral way, meaning just walking by it, I will reward it. You don't want to put a scent on the other cat because that takes away their choice. And that's a big, big issue in cat behavior is giving choice. When we have cat behavior problems, when we have fear, aggression, it's because the cat doesn't have a choice. So we always want to offer choice. 
Well, it's too late because I did it wrong, but they coexist well, now. Out. Charlotte is, she's sensitive. She doesn't like most of the fur babes in the household. So she's just that kind of cat. But she was also a TNR cat that wasn't adopted until she was almost five months old. So she didn't get a lot of that socialization. Um, right. Right. But, you know, also for everyone listening, even if you have cats who didn't get along, even if you did the introduction wrong, even if it's been five years and they haven't been friends, it's never too late. Don't keep going down that road if it's not working. Just stop, separate the cats and do an introduction as if they've never met. Just start all over again. A lot of my my business, a lot of the clients I have aren't new cat introductions. They're reintroductions of cats who haven't gotten along for years or it's cats where the introduction went south. So never feel hopeless. They may never be best friends because they're, it's not a relationship they picked. Just like with people, there are some people you just don't get along with and you wouldn't want to live with. So we have to realize that they may not be best friends, but hopefully we can get them to where they tolerate each other and they don't stress each other out. But it's never too late. That is really good to know. I have another question for you. And this just, I'm perplexed. Dennis is my cat that just, I opened the door. He walked in one day. Literally, that's what happened. It was a cold night. He walked in. He's part Maine Coon. So he has that long fur that sometimes gets, even, you know, if I stay on top with brushing, he gets matted. So every so often, I think I've only done it twice because I know they don't love this and, and I get him shaved. When I do that, the other two cats in the household, they react to him as if he's like a brand new cat coming into the territory. Now, this time when he was shaved, I told the the groomer not to put any scent at all on him. You know, leave his face. It was mostly some mats on on the back by his tail. And so he's he looks different, but he's um he, his scent is the same you know, use unscented shampoo and all that. And that's important. That's very important because cats recognize each other by scent. So a lot of what may have been the issue too, and it happens when one cat goes to the veterinarian and comes back, is that they don't smell like themselves. They smell like the clinic or they smell like the, the grooming salon. And a lot of times, you know, they've put different scents on them and, and sprays and the way the shampoo and the conditioner may smell. They don't smell like them. So what I tell people to do is when you bring that cat home, put that cat in a separate room for a while so that he has time to groom himself and kind of take on the household smells again so that he begins to smell like himself. Well, this time, the first time they they did the scent, this time they didn't do the scent. My significant other, he says that's because the cats don't, other cats, two cats don't recognize him. And I said, no, it was because he smelled different last time. Now, if he was shampooed, he which he was, I'm sure he smells cleaner, so he doesn't quite smell like himself. I think that the hissing and the little negative interactions with the other cats were minimized this time because they didn't put any scent on him. But right. there was still some there. So did he smell too clean for them? Yeah, he didn't smell like himself. That's why cats groom themselves. We know that they are fastidious groomers. And there are so many reasons why they groom for survival reasons and to get parasites off of them and to get the dead hair off of them. 
but it's also to create their scent. And a big part of cats who live together is they create this communal scent. And when a cat comes back and they don't smell like the community, it's a concern for the other cats. Even So even though he looks and acts the same, he smells threatening. So it was good that you didn't do any kind of scent uh, so that he did smell a little bit more like himself. And it's understandable that there was still some hissing, but not as much as if he had been really groomed, you know, to the max. So we have to remember those things, you know, when we take our cats to the groomers or the veterinarian is how stressful that will be for everybody when they come back. And again, you know, keep them in a separate room, let them do some grooming and take on that familiar scent of the household again. Okay, thanks, because I had a feeling it had to do with scent and my significant other, he thought it was how he looked. And I said, no, it's scent. I know this. You tell him you you were right. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) what are some other, you know, we've talked a lot about multi-cat households and that, but your book has some great information on just on cats in general, just great information. Can you just give us a couple of tidbits of other, you know, things that are in the book, other subjects to that for people that maybe don't have the first one? So um, they'll, you know, know a little bit about the book and then where they can find it. Sure. In general, a mistake we make with whether you have one cat or 10 cats is we tend to label behaviors as wrong bad behavior, misbehavior, cat eliminates outside of the litter box, cat scratches the furniture, cat bites you, Uh, whatever it is the cat does that we don't like, we label it as a misbehavior. It's bad. You know, oh, the cat's spiteful. That's why he's scratching my, my brand new chair. And when you have that attitude, when you're looking at a behavior that way, you're not going to solve the behavior because you're really misreading it. Cats do not misbehave. Every behavior serves a purpose. It may not be something we like, but it's something the cat needs to do. So for example, if the cat is scratching the furniture, don't just yell at the cat and try to get him to not scratch. Realize that is a normal behavior for a cat. But if he's scratching the furniture, maybe it means you either don't have a scratching post or it's not the right one. It's not tall and sturdy and covered in the right kind of material, or maybe it's not in the right location. You know, if a cat is being aggressive and biting, well, what's happening that that's causing the cat to feel that way? You know, maybe it's that you're picking the cat up and holding him and maybe something hurts. Maybe he has arthritis or something hurts him, or maybe you've startled him or he feels he doesn't have a choice, you know, uh, in how you hold him and maybe it's not comfortable. There's always a reason for a behavior. And if you start out, with that attitude of, okay, I don't like what the cat's doing, but why is he needing to do that? And how can I create a situation where there's a better alternative? And if you have that attitude, if you walk away from this show with nothing else other than that, that will improve your relationship with your cat and any cat you have after that. That is great advice. That says it all there. That is great information. And that's basically what the book is about. Every issue, whether it's understanding the social structure of cats, how to introduce a cat, how to deal with problems around the litter box or the feeding station or or any of those issues that are in the book, everything is built on that foundation of why the cat needs to do that behavior so that you understand it 
and then you can solve the problem. If we're just you know, yelling at the cat and chasing him away and putting him in timeout, you're never going to solve the problem. And then you're going to damage the relationship you have with your cat. And that's the whole reason I got into this business is I wanted people to have the relationships with their cats that they always wanted. Nobody adopts or buys or rescues a cat hoping to have behavior problems and to be miserable. We don't do it for those reasons. We do it to have a loving relationship. And that's what I want everybody to have. And where can we find your book so that we can get on our path to understanding our cats better? <laughs> well, my books are available uh, anywhere books are sold, and, you know, and also online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can also learn more about the books if you want uh, at my website, which is catbehaviorassociates.com. And there's also a lot of articles on there that are just, I always tend to give more information than is needed. So they're, they're very in-depth articles. And so if you have just a specific problem and you want to look it up, sometimes the article is enough. But I just hope that whatever book, you know, Cat versus Cat is great for multi-cat households, but whatever book you choose, you'll just see that the foundation behind all the books is understanding why the cat is behaving the way he or she is and how you can have the relationship you want. And that would make me so happy if people have that. Well, you know, I want to thank you for writing the articles, writing the books and explaining this because understanding your cat better and, and your cats better and having a better relationship with cats, it's a domino effect because if you have a better relationship or and more people have better relationships with, with their cats, less likely cats are returned to shelters. You know, it's a domino effect in a sense. And it helps, you know, a lot of times I do a lot of work at shelters and a lot of the re the times when cats are relinquished to shelters, it's for behavior problems that could have been worked on. People just didn't realize that. And once you have the key to understanding why a cat behaves a certain way, cats are very predictable, you know, so it'll help you with every cat in your life after that because you now have the key to solving those problems. That is good to know. <laughs> Very good to know. Pam, thank you so much for coming on Catitude and sharing this wealth of information. Thank you so much again for having me. Well, I have to tell you guys, you know, listening to Pam, a part of me was going, yes, I did this right. Part of me was cringing that, oh shoot, I should have known better, you know? And here I've done so many interviews on Catitude and there's still so much I can learn about cats. And hopefully you feel the same way because I know a lot of you listening out there know about cats. You tell me about your cats. You shared, you know, great tips and information. But I think we can always, as you know, feline pet parents, do a little better. And I am resolved to understanding Charlotte better. She is my... I think my middle cat <laughs> and she's she's the most sensitive I'm going to put it that way so I need to understand her better and so I want to give um, thanks to my guest Pam for coming on Catitude and sharing this great information with us and thank you to my cat crew which is Charlotte and Dennis and Molly and thanks to my outside cat crew which is Jethro and Sammy and Jazz and my dog crew, which they're great. They're great with the cats. And that's Mr. Z and Nikki. Thanks, of course, to everyone listening. Just thank you. Thank you for listening. Catitude, for sending me information, for telling me, you know, some advice, even when I don't always want to hear it. But thank you for all that. And 
Of course, an overwhelming thank you to my producer, Mark Winter, for making me and my guest sound great. Now keep listening. We're going to have great stuff coming up on Catitude. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.